Smart takes the shot, and the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. Hello and welcome in. Monday edition of the program. Glad to have you with us. A couple reminders as we get started today. If you miss our live show in the 11 o'clock hour, you can always find us as a podcast. Wherever you listen to podcasts, all you got to do is search for the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison and you'll find us there. So I'd love to have you with us, whether it's live on the Big X, whether you listen basically on demand via podcast. Glad you're with us here on this Monday. And the Thornton's text line is open. Love to get your questions and comments and input for the show especially in the offseason. That number is 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. And at Thornton's, it's Summer Cash Bash. Each week, one lucky Refreshing Rewards member will win $10,000 all summer with a grand prize of a 2022 Chevy Tahoe. Simply open your Refreshing Rewards app and click on the Summer Cash Bash icon to enter. And that's not all. You can earn additional entries by purchasing select top brands like Mountain Dew, 20-ounce bottles, hot dogs, Bud Light 12-packs, large Doritos, and many more using your Refreshing Rewards card. It's Thornton's Summer Cash Bash. If you're not a Refreshing Rewards member, no problem. Text REWARDS to 80313. Today, Glad to have you with us. Let's look at the show lineup for this Monday edition of the program brought to you by Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Segment one, here in just a few moments, we'll have just kind of a recap of a number of things coming out of the weekend. Some IU basketball recruiting information. Where were the coaches over the weekend? It was a live period for coaches to take in sanctioned or certified high school events across the country, and the IU coaches were all over the place this week. Also, an IU football note coming up on how tough their schedule is this upcoming year. It's a big year for Tom Allen, a bounce-back year really needed for IU football, and uh, they're not going to have an easy go of it. We'll tell you about that here in just a moment. Also, uh, Drew Ellis, uh, Jeffersonville Navy. And Jeffersonville alumni uh, has been picked up by Seattle, the Mariners organization. We mentioned that last week. We now know a little bit more about the details on that, and we'll share those with you uh, here in just a few moments. That's the show lineup for segment one. Later in the show here on this Monday program, Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star joins. We've got a lot of IU stuff to get to coming out of the weekend. And then in segment three today, Chad Gilbert with us uh, to talk about some of the basketball happenings over the weekend. Uh, which unfortunately did not include Game 7. I had talked with Chad last week. We were both cheering hard for a Game 7 in the NBA Finals for Father's Day. Uh, some basketball, that did not happen with the Warriors winning it in six. But lots of other local hoop stuff to talk about coming out of Summer League and the big tournament down at Collins and the IBCA workout over the weekend up in Indianapolis and a lot more. So we'll get to that coming up here uh, in just a bit. That's the lineup, a service of Honey Baked Tam in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service still available as well at Honey Baked Tam in New Albany. A reminder that the Netsby Awards, the News and Tribune Sports Performance Yearly Awards, 
that program is set to take place on Tuesday evening, tomorrow night at Eastside Christian Church in Jeffersonville. You've heard Josh Cook on the program uh, recently promoting that event. It's a great way to end and recap and honor so many people from our local sports scene, specifically high school sports, after another great academic year, a full year of high school sports, fall, spring, summer, all of it put together, winter, I should say, uh, and that will take place tomorrow night. So we'll talk more about that uh, today and tomorrow, and uh, a lot of awards will be handed out in a very first-class setting, and uh, I'll be there as well, looking forward to it. So we'll have more on the Nets piece coming up here as we get the week underway. Uh, Let's look at our headlines for today, a summary of the day's top IU and Southern Indiana sports news. A number of things to get to today. Basketball first, uh, looking at recruiting, coming out of this busy recruiting weekend. Uh, Cannon Catchings, he's the uh, relation of Tamika Catchings, who's been a, a WNBA All-Star, uh, had, had recently uh, been on a visit to the IU campus and is going to check out the IU campus again uh, for an unofficial visit. So he's in the 2024 class. You know, not as many in-state names right now for uh, Coach Woodson and the staff as far as recruiting, but Catchings is a 2024 guy to know. Obviously, in 2025, you've got some big names like Sicily and Harrelson, uh, but uh, Catchings is a name that is catching on, I think, and beginning to get more high major college interest, and even beginning to pick up <clears throat> some scholarship offers as well. Six foot seven, and I think the report on catchings is that he is still growing. Uh, he's going to be at Illinois on Monday today of this week. He's already recently taken a visit to Purdue as well, so he's getting out, seeing a lot of the Big Ten Conference. In addition to the schools I named, I know Xavier, Cincinnati, Michigan, Notre Dame, Ohio State, and others uh, interested in him, and he definitely is getting an early start on the recruiting process, uh, getting out, taking a look at some of the campuses up close and personal. Also, the coaches this weekend with this live period of high school events were everywhere. Most locally, they were down at Collins High School in Shelbyville, Kentucky. That's where there was a great tournament that brought, I don't know, over 100 teams together some from Kentucky, even Indianapolis Cathedral, who won one of the smaller brackets in that event over the weekend with Xavier Booker. Uh, Lots of college coaches there. The IU coaches were spotted there over the weekend. Also, the IBCA Top 100 uh, in uh, Indianapolis, as you would expect, taking a look at some of the top players in the state that were at that event. And I noticed that IU coaches were uh, crisscrossed around the country at Philadelphia and up in the DMV area. Uh, Some big summer events there as well. I think Coach Woodson himself was up in Philadelphia uh, over the weekend checking out a couple of the uh, summer league-type games there and some of the prospects uh, from that region that IU is interested or has offered scholarship offers to. So a busy recruiting weekend. There's another weekend of the same coming up this weekend as well, and a whole other host of events that I'm sure the IU coaches will be out at uh, tracking talent. IU football, uh, here's we enter the summer. It's the next sport up for uh, IU fans, and if Indiana's going to have a bounce-back season, as so many have said they need in 2022, it's going to be a season that they are really going to have to work hard for because I saw IU's football schedule Uh, over the weekend, according to ESPN's FPI rankings, uh, is the toughest football schedule in the Big Ten Conference. And if you look at things from a national perspective, IU's football schedule, 10th most difficult, 
according to those same ESPN FPI rankings. So uh, also they predict wins and losses through this same formula. They've got IU ranked number 66 in the country overall, and they predict 4.3 wins and 7.7 losses uh, for the Hoosiers based on this formula, uh, this scale for the upcoming season. Of course, the IU football season begins, we think, on September 2nd against Illinois, who is 73rd, so that's a game on the schedule right out of uh, the gate that ESPN, according to these FPI rankings, needs to win. Idaho is next on September the 10th, they are not ranked, and then Western Kentucky is 65th, Cincinnati 32nd, then you get into Big Ten action the rest of the way, and of course in the Big Ten Conference, many of those teams with uh, great FPI rankings, including Ohio State, who according to the latest uh, is number two in those rankings from ESPN. So uh, the early outlook, at least by national folks and some of these computer formulas, Not good, really, for IU football. They have a tough schedule and what I think a lot of people think will be a tough season ahead for the Hoosiers. Kind of opposite, almost, from basketball, where the team is being, uh, as you all know now, uh, and we talk about all the time with a lot of excitement, being projected to maybe win the Big Ten Conference and uh, projected in the top 15 or so nationally when it comes to early rankings of college basketball for next season, but definitely not that same feel as we get closer and closer uh, to the start of the college football season. Drew Ellis of Jeffersonville, he was uh, designated for a assignment midweek last week by the Arizona Diamondbacks. And then on Thursday, we told you that Ellis was claimed off of the waiver wire by the Seattle Seattle Mariners. He, he since then has been assigned to Seattle's AAA team. I believe that's in Tacoma, Washington, so not terribly far away from the major league club. Of course, uh, that's no surprise because Ellis with the Diamondbacks spent a lot of time in Reno. That was the AAA affiliate of the D-backs. Occasionally got called up to the professional club, uh, but obviously getting picked up by Seattle, a fresh start for him. And it's going to be curious to see, does he settle in at AAA? Is that where he's going to be for the remainder of the season? Or is there a chance that he could bump up occasionally uh, to fill in or help out on the major league club in the Seattle organization? So Drew Ellis keeping his baseball career alive. There's no question about that. And it really will be interesting to see what this next step looks like for him uh, as he now becomes a part of the Mariners organization this week. And again, Josh Rogers in the major leagues, uh, you know, a number of players in the minor leagues with local connections. Drew Campbell, one of Drew Ellis's teammates, also comes to mind. He's in the Braves organization playing in Rome, Georgia for the Braves, the high affiliate of the Atlanta Braves. So some good baseball uh, results from former high school and college players here in the area, and uh, we'll see now what Drew Ellis can do in the Seattle organization. That's a look at our headlines for this Monday edition of the program. Still ahead, we have Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star. Also, a little bit later in the program, uh, we will be joined by uh, Chad Gilbert, Charlestown Athletic Director and former basketball coach in the area. He'll be with us as well. Reminder, the Thornton's text line is open. That number, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. We'll take your questions on IU for Zach. If you've got local stuff you want to chat about with Chad, you can send those in now, and we'll head to a commercial break and come back with uh, the latest on IU basketball and more coming out of the weekend. Where were the coaches? 
Who were they watching this weekend? And a lot more next here on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this and for all the small schools who never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach. You got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. We're back on this Monday program. Thornton's text line is 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star, always with us Mondays in this segment. And, Zach, since we spoke last, the Big Ten assignments came out. Home games, away games, and those uh, double games, home and away, are now out for all of the conference. And we broke it down last week uh, after they were released by the conference. But I'm curious, as we begin a new week, your thoughts on IU's draw, you could say, of Big Ten games, uh, where they're at this season. Yeah, I mean, I think it... It feels probably tougher than the average. I don't think I don't think we can say anything with just you know sort of absolute certainty. If you want to say in, in terms of you just as I think we've talked about in different contexts this off season, it's hard to diagnose what to think of the league. Um, you know, coming into coming into this year, but the way I sort of I guess found a way of uh, enunciating it or whatever you want to say, um, talking about it with someone last week, was you, you have this uncertainty around the league that, that, you know, a big part of the reason why Indiana is kind of considered the preseason favorite is because they're kind of the only team in maybe the top seven, eight, nine, maybe even ten in the conference that's got enough coming back that you feel you can count on it. You can There's, there's stuff that you can sort of invest in in Indiana and feel good about. Um, Trey Shack and Davis, Bryce Thompson, Xavier Johnson, you know, some bench pieces, et cetera. But if you're kind of looking around the league and figuring out who fills in behind the Hoosiers, you're probably looking at the Michigan States, the Purdue's, the Michigan's, et cetera, the Iowa's. Um, and in, in those cases, it's very much you're looking at programs and coaches that get the benefit of the doubt because they've, they've got a system and a culture that are kind of imbued into their program. And even through change, they find ways to be competitive and, and you know, the, the guys are coached well and developed well to fill roles and things. Indiana wound up with just about all those programs on its schedule twice. I think the only one that didn't really was Wisconsin. Um, they don't have to go to Wisconsin. And obviously, of course, Indiana's record at Wisconsin in, in well, the last, I mean, this entire century is, is terrible. <laughs> um, you know, there's an extent to which if I was in Indiana, I just have to play Wisconsin at Wisconsin until I finally won, and then I would just put just, just put it to bed forever. Um, but, you know, if you do look at maybe the preseason projections as we have them right now, I'm looking at Bart Torvik, and the bottom four teams in the conference are Penn State, Nebraska, Northwestern, and Minnesota. Um Indiana only plays one of those teams twice. So it, it, it does feel, you know, difficult in that respect. On the other hand, you know, the one thing I would say, we've seen Mike Woodson pretty clearly with 
his non-conference scheduling, replacing the Crossroads Classic with Kansas, going out and looking for a matchup with Arizona. We know that Indiana is going to be in a, a, a prominent tournament in New York next season. I would expect Indiana to continue to pursue, you know, sort of preseason tournament Maui-like battle for Atlantis-like events in the future based on everything I've heard. I would also expect Indiana to, to potentially be involved in some of these um, these neutral site kind of one-off games, not unlike the Arizona game is expected to be in Vegas this year. The point is Mike Woodson is embracing this idea that, that sort of he promised at the, be- the beginning, even I think in his opening, uh, his introductory news conference sort of saying, we need to be competing at the highest level. We need to be expecting, you know, that level from ourselves. You look at what held Indiana back last season on Selection Sunday and what landed them ultimately in the first four, a big part of it was just a poor non-conference schedule and more broadly, a lack of quality wins. If you're Indiana, I understand why, especially in a year where maybe fans kind of see the Hoosiers as the conference favorite, they may be looking at the schedule and just saying, well, what gets us the highest total quantity of wins? You know, what, what gives us the largest inventory of wins? and comfortable victories that we can pencil in right now toward maybe Indiana winning a Big Ten championship. But from a practical perspective and a competitive perspective, if you're Indiana using kind of, again, like Bart Torvik right now has Illinois number two in the conference, one spot behind Indiana, Indiana's 12th nationally, Illinois 13th. And I recognize it's June 20th. So we take all these projections with a bit of a grain of salt, but you play Illinois twice. You only play Minnesota, which is the lowest-ranked team in these these early projections from T-Rank once, and that's on the road. But let's say we flip that. You only played Illinois once on the road. You played Minnesota twice. Let's say you can beat Minnesota on the road and Illinois at home, lose to Illinois at Illinois. That's still a lot more valuable for you on Selection Sunday than beating Minnesota twice but losing the only time you play Illinois at Illinois. And so – Yes, it's probably one of the tougher schedules in the conference, you know, at least as much as we can kind of forecast it right now. But in the same breath, if, if you're Indiana, you know, this is how you move yourself up the pecking order. This is how you get a better seed in the NCAA tournament. This is how you gain more prominence. And, and even if maybe this winds up landing you third in the conference instead of first, it serves that longer-term ambition, like Woodson has talked about, of, of sort of upgrading basically – the expected level of competitiveness of your conference such that when people walk in the door, they're not thinking, well, what is the, what is the most we can do that's also the least we can do from a scheduling perspective, if you understand what I'm saying, but rather saying, no, we're Indiana, we're going to embrace the idea that we're going to play a blue blood schedule, and that's going to turn us back into a blue blood program. Zach Ostrom and the Indianapolis Star, my guest, and more on the Big Ten. I know, I know we've had these discussions on this show with you and others, but as I was reading your story about IU's Big Ten draw and just going through the draw itself, thinking about the home and homes, the you know the the single matchups uh, in the in the conference season, and we'll find out the dates on all all this stuff later in the summer. But just going through the conference team by team. Uh, there have really been some major departures from each team. And I guess if you really go through who's back and who's coming for Indiana and break down just the key losses, let alone who's back for some of these other teams, it's clear to see why IU is at the top and getting a lot of love as maybe the preseason favorite because Michigan, Michigan State, Purdue, Ohio State, and Iowa, the list keeps going. Uh, Illinois, of course, so many impactful departures, as you wrote in your story. 
Yeah, I mean, if you, I mean, if you go play or team by team, I think it, it even as much as maybe in a blanket way, you could get the average Big Ten fans to say, yeah, you know, there was a big talent. And I think we may have lost Zach Osterman. If you guys could try to reconnect with him, Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star, he's with us Mondays on the show. We'll try to get him back and continue our conversation about IU and Big Ten hoops here in the offseason. Uh, Zach, always one of our guests Monday to help get the week started here on the show. Still ahead, Chad Gilbert uh, will join the program. Chad is the athletic director at Charlestown High School, a former basketball coach in the area, and we'll go through a lot of local basketball stuff and more with Chad when he's with us a little bit later in the hour, and hopefully here in just a few seconds we'll have Zach Osterman uh, back on the show and we can uh, rejoin our conversation. Zach, are you back with us? I am, and I'll just pick up from the top of that work. Yeah, but, absolutely. Um, I think as, as much as maybe in a blanket way, if you were having a conversation with a Big Ten basketball fan, you they would say, oh, yeah, there's been a lot of turnover, a lot of talent drain in the conference. I think it would still surprise people if you went team by team. Like Again, I'm just looking at this list on, on T-Rank. Illinois lost its starting backcourt, plus Jacob Grandison, plus Kofi Coburn. Michigan State lost, what, Max Christie and Gabe Brown. Purdue obviously lost a ton. Eric Hunter, Trevion Williams, Jaden Ivey. Michigan lost Caleb Houston, Musa Diabate, Eli Brooks, Iowa, Keegan Murray, and Jordan Bohannon. You know, Maryland had a ton of turnover because of the coaching change. Rutgers loses Geo Baker and Ron Harper. Ohio State loses its top two players, like its clear top two players, Malachi Branham and, uh, oh my God, I'm, I'm, I've completely spaced on what his name was. <laughs> And now I feel really EJ Liddell. Yes, I was starting. Yes, I was yes. stuck on. I was stuck on Eli Brooks, and I couldn't get off of Eli Brooks. But, <laughs> um, and then Wisconsin, obviously, whatever people think of him, Brad Davison's out the door, and of course Johnny Davis, who was so important to them last year. That's where you do kind of come back to looking at these programs and just saying, outside of Indiana, and I understand why people still have reservations about Indiana. Don't get me wrong, I do too, quite frankly. But outside of Indiana, just about everywhere else, you're either looking at a place like Illinois where it's, you know, the, the success is going to have to come down to some, some impactful transfers, um, Terrence Shannon, Matthew Mayer, uh, and then obviously some guys taking steps forward like, like Coleman Hawkins, um, or a place like Michigan State or Purdue or Michigan or, or in Iowa where you're, you're basically sort of giving Wisconsin, again, is another one of these, you're sort of giving the coach, you're giving the coach as much credit for what they've done in the past and the program's ability to just sort of rotate from strength to strength, even as players have left and the culture that exists there rather than saying, you know, I'll use Purdue as an example, rather than saying, looking at Purdue's roster and saying, well, I know Ethan Morton will take a step forward or I know Brandon Newman will take a step forward or whatever it is. And I think, I mean, listen, like Purdue's a good example. I, I think Mason Gillis, can be a really good player. Obviously, Zach Eady is incredibly impactful. You've still got Caleb First there. Trey Kaufman will be playing this season after redshirting last season. Uh, you know, again, Brandon Newman is, is still a very experienced player, et cetera. And then they picked up a good transfer in David Jenkins. But you just don't, you know, how all those pieces fit together. Who's the leading scorer? What does it take for that player to get his points or his, his rebounds or whatever? You know, it remains to be seen. Is Mason Gillis, using him as an example, ready to go, ready to to grow from being sort of a, you know, kind of an impact, 
not reserved, but certainly sort of secondary option from an offensive perspective to maybe being a guy that's going to get, you know, a lion's share of the possessions Purdue's going to, you know, Purdue essentially is going to need Mason Gillis to score 12, 13 points a game potentially. Is he ready to go up that level? Um, and that's where I think a lot of the belief in Indiana comes from simply because I can tell you where those points and those rebounds and those blocks and those assists are coming from. And yes, there are some questions. Can this team hit enough threes? How do you balance, you know, some of the depth and, and where different guys fit? Can Jordan Geronimo play the three? You know, how did Jalen Hutchifino and Xavier Thompson coexist together? Can Tamar Bates take a step forward? All that, sure. But I can still more or less promise you that Trace Jackson Davis is going to average 18 and nine. And Xavier Johnson is going to get 11 points and four assists a game. And Race Thompson is going to be Race Thompson and on and on. Indiana is kind of the only team that you would look at in the conference that's not in a, a pretty substantial rebuilding phase, like a Penn State or a Maryland and say, well, I know who, you know, the, the, the alphas are for Indiana every night, no matter what. Zach Osterman, Indianapolis star, my guest. We're talking IU basketball here on this Monday program. Zach, another topic I think worthwhile coming out of the weekend is uh, the weekend was a live period. Only the second year this has happened that coaches in June, there's a couple weekends they can hit events that are uh, certified events via high school athletic associations. And I noticed that uh, Coach Woodson, a lot of the assistant coaches, they were uh, all across the country, not just local. There was a big event in Indianapolis uh, with the Coaches Association. There was a really good tournament as well, uh, not far from Louisville, down at Collins High School in Shelby County. I know Indiana hit both of those, but I saw that coaches were far and wide taking in high school teams and key prospects here in this first of two June opportunities to get out. Yeah, and this is, you know, this is kind of the one window that, that hasn't, you mentioned there, it, it, it don't, it's, it's not happened very often that they kind of put it in pre-COVID, obviously none of us knowing that COVID was coming, but it was, it was part of this, um, it was part of this sort of, I guess, what's the word I'm looking for, like renovation or, or sort of reformation of the recruiting calendar in the wake of everything that happened with the FBI scandal and, and trying to de-emphasize AAU and grassroots a little bit and re-emphasize high school a little bit more, bring that, that power balance kind of back a little bit more even, if you want to say. Um, but then obviously the, the, the flip side is we hit COVID and everything stopped. And so I think that this is kind of the – this is the – the period where it feels like we don't have a firm idea yet for like how it fits in the rhythm of the spring and summer. If you understand what I'm saying, you know, we kind of know what, you know, the purpose of the spring window and, and the, you know, the July window in particular always feels, you know, very much kind of like this time when, you know, everything gets sort of clarified and everybody comes out of July players and staffs with a good idea of like sort of who's interested in whom and, you know, who, who is whose priority and, and how everyone's sort of going to collectively move into the fall calendar together into visits and things like that. Still kind of figuring out where this June window fits, but ultimately it's still an opportunity. I mean, I think back even to kind of the first time we saw Indiana go through it and, and you know, there were a handful, three, four, five guys that, that really kind of uh, emerged as key targets, not, not necessarily guys that Indiana got. The one I'm remembering is, is off the top of my head is R.J. Davis, who Indiana really prioritized and kind of came on strongly for a little bit, but obviously he wound up in North Carolina. Um, 
it's just it's it's interesting to me as we kind of get back to the normal of recruiting and, and what's you know lifting the after the the long long dead period lifting that and getting everybody back out there um, what you know basically where you know three four five years down the road this these these June high school sort of centric windows kind of fit if if you know what I mean talking to Zach Osterman, Indianapolis star. You know, very interesting to see, and I know we've we've hit on this before, but as the recruiting periods open up, even back in the spring with the travel ball stuff, I use focus oftentimes with his staff is far and wide. We've mentioned the DMV area uh, in Washington, D.C., metropolitan area, basically. I know there were some coaches in Philadelphia over the weekend watching prospects there. And again, Indiana is a high major conference or high major school on a big time basketball conference. So uh, again, there's no surprise that they're out recruiting uh, locally. It just seems that I guess maybe under Tom Crean and Archie Miller, and maybe it had nothing to do with who the coach was and more so the talent in the state or the fit in the program at that that time, uh, but it, it just seems like Indiana's recruiting on much more of a national scale than what they were even a few seasons ago. Not that IU didn't roam away from uh, the Midwest occasionally and land somebody, but it seems to be happening on a much more uh, regular level, normal level, and I guess when I see these recruiting events happen and the coaches span out across the country, it kind of lets you know where the targets are at that they're really on and maybe why Indiana's been able to build in some connections and find success in other parts of the country yeah I'm, I'm trying to find the uh the story i wrote because I, I i wrote something about this kind of i guess back it would have been last year and forgive me i'm, I'm struggling to find it right now but you know pointing out that and this was jalen hutchino but i guess it's 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 extended even further with malik renault also committing and signing that mike woodson has um now signed three players that were uh, outside from outside the Big Ten footprint that were ranked higher than the highest ranked player Archie Miller ever signed outside the Big Ten footprint because Archie obviously had a fair bit of success in, in the Big Ten, you know, in Big Ten country, if you want to say. But one of the statistics, and forgive me, I'm, I'm struggling to remember exactly what it was, but it was something like 11 of Indiana's last 18,000 point scores or so, something along those lines um, came from outside the state. And, and that may have also changed a little bit this year because Trace Jackson Davis, I think, joined that group. So that, that statistic, um, or excuse me, outside the Big Ten footprint, that statistic may have, have altered a little bit. But you think back to Marshall Strickland, DJ White, Victor Oladipo, Will Sheehy, you know, Noah Vonley. And, and obviously we can point to, well, you know, Oladipo had a lot more success in college than Vonley did and that sort of thing. But ultimately, if you go through Indiana's history, and particularly its recent history, and when I say recent history, I mean like the last quarter century. I don't just mean like the last five years. Um, Indiana's when Indiana has has pushed beyond the boundaries of the Big Ten footprint. Troy Williams, another example. Thomas Bryant, another. Um, OG Ananobi. You know, frankly, I know he's from Missouri. I know that's kind of considered Midwestern, but ultimately, it's not a Big Ten state. Um, you know, Indiana has had success not just, you know, getting good players, but, but in terms of bringing guys in that have had really quality careers at, at IU and, and guys that have gone on, Jawan Morgan is another one, that have gone on to the NBA. And, and frankly, some of Indiana's best sort of recent NBA players have not been in state or have not been in Big Ten footprint, or at least certainly the balance between, let's say, 
players from the Big Ten footprint and players from outside the Big Ten footprint, let's say at least the traditional footprint, because I understand Victor Oladipo is from Maryland, which is now part of the footprint, but it wasn't when Indiana signed him. Um, you know, players from the DMV, players from New England and the New York area, um, you know, go, again, Troy Williams going down into Virginia, Rob Johnson also from Virginia. Indiana's had success there, and I think that, that just like, frankly, everywhere else, I understand why IU fans will always want to see their backyard well-tended. They'll always want to see players from in-state on roster, and they'll always get excited when Indiana gets a, you know, a kid that maybe is close enough by, like Gabe Cups in Ohio, that Indiana fans are, are going to get some opportunities to see him play in person. He's going to play in some of the same AAU tournaments with their IU targets. He's going to be you know, relatively local, so to speak. You know, just like UCLA, just like Kansas, just like Kentucky, just like UNC, whoever, there's a lot, there are a lot of impact players that can be sold on IU basketball, what it means, its importance, its legacy, and what they can do as IU basketball players that don't come from, again, the, the traditional Big Ten footprint, so to speak. And so I think that it will always be important for Indiana to not just sort of limit itself to, you know, you know, Indiana, Illinois, Ohio, Michigan. It, 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 it is a brand that has some national appeal, maybe not as much as it, it would have had at one time, but trust me, I've talked to enough of these kids that come out from New York or Virginia or wherever. And, you know, they have some idea of what Indiana basketball is, but they come out here and they realize, Oh, wow, this is something I really want to be a part of. Um, and I can give you a laundry list of those guys, again, even just maybe since the turn of the century, that uh, that have been really impactful players for, for IU basketball. All right, Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis star. He joins us Mondays for IU basketball talk and more. Zach, thank you. We covered a lot of ground to start the week, and we'll catch up to you next Monday. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, as always. All right, Zach Osterman with us to begin the week here with uh, lots of IU basketball conversation ahead each day on the show here in the 11 o'clock hour. We'll head to a commercial break. When we come back, Chad Gilbert, he's the athletic director at Charlestown High School, former coach in the area. We talk local sports and a lot of hoops on Mondays when he's with us. We'll do that next here on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You f***ed it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. We're back with Chad Gilbert here in this final segment of our Monday program. And, Chad, it's uh, late June, but lots of basketball to talk about. I mentioned there was a great tournament down at Collins that drew a lot of college coaches over the weekend. And coming up this weekend, some of our local teams and a lot of the best teams from across the state 
uh, will converge in Indianapolis for the Charlie Hughes shootout, which will also be played in front of college coaches. And I know a number of coaches are expected to attend that event in Indianapolis this week. And, and of course, on a local level, our summer league here in the area has wrapped up and kind of given way to some of these big shootouts and other opportunities for uh, locals to play in front of college coaches. So basketball year-round, Chad, and this month is a prime example of that. Matt, first of all, your intro, your segue intro coming back in, you heard the general, Robert Montgomery Knight, on there. (laughs) How would that go today? How would that conversation go today? Just unbelievable, the stuff that coaches have to go through now. And one of those things, is like you said, is the summer league. And you got two ways to look at it. We either got to go through it and do it because everyone else is doing it, or we can go through it and try to get better. I know we've talked on this as an opportunity to show kids why they're not playing, an opportunity for kids to show why they're playing, blah, blah, blah. We've talked about all that. But, you know, Miss Amy and the kids have been out of town, so I've had a lot of pool time to think back, to sit around and think about these types of deals. And the thing that keeps coming to my mind is – as a coach, you have to plan your work and work your plan. Your object is, one, to get your team better. Two, you want to put your kids in a position to be successful. What a great way to showcase your teams and your players' talents than to go to that Collins tournament, than to go to the Charlie Hughes, where you're going to be exposed in front of plenty of coaches. And you may have that kid, you know, that marginal kid, that mid-major kid even, that he's played on an AU team and you got some guard out there who dribbles the ball, dribble, 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 and he decides he's going to shoot. And you got another kid who's, it doesn't matter what, his dad told him to shoot it every time he gets it. And you're trying to play the right way to win and you're just getting overlooked. Well, now you're playing in front of these same coaches with your high school team that you've got a different role and your role is to score those points, get those rebounds, but your also role is to win. And you're playing against those. You're playing against that guard who's on your team in July, who's dribble, dribble, dribble. You're playing against that forward who's dancing and shoot it every time. And you've got an opportunity to set yourself apart and show college coaches, you know, maybe some of the intangibles that you have as a player. Now, there's certain things that are God-given things. Matt, when I coached the McDonald's on American team, Bill Walton told the entire boys team the entire girls team you know and there were some players i mean that was the year michael beasley was in it that was the year uh, maya moore was in it i mean you want to talk about players he said you guys have won the genetic lottery all right you think about that those are things you cannot teach god-given skills that you're born with you know you walk in the gym you can you can see who the guys who can play who the athletes are but this is an opportunity to show hey i have the intangibles to make your program better Give me a shot. You know, I'm a winner in high school. I'm going to be a winner in college. And that's what's so special about these tournaments. In the same you know, same token, you look back on your coaches, it's an opportunity for coaches to play in some high-level games that you can draw back on during the season and say, hey, you remember that time we played Cathedral? This team's a lot like Cathedral without the big man in the middle. And it gives your guys some confidence to, to know what they're going against. So I think it's an outstanding opportunity and a great way, and Matt, here's the kicker, a great way to end the summer. Make this, make these weekends your last weekend. Let the kids go out and do their thing. Gives you a break from them, them a break from you. 
Yeah, and I think the uh, college, the live periods for coaches has totally changed the month of June and its importance. And as you said, it's, it's you know if others are doing it, and you're running a program, especially if you have players that are of Division One talent, you, you've almost got to do it. But I do think it has given at least these last two weekends in June a total different complexion as far as summer league goes. Oh, and it's given opportunities, not only opportunities, the players, but what about the college coaches to find that diamond in the rough? You know, to find that kid, well, I'm not real sure. I see him. I like him. Let's watch him in this different type of atmosphere. So I think it's been beneficial to both of them. But the one thing that's in common, both high school coaches, college coaches, and players, they're putting in some work. Chad Gilbert, my guest, Chad, with me on Mondays as we talk local sports. Now, Chad, uh, <clears throat> basketball, you know, NBA is over, and we with summer league and all that sort of stuff coming to an end here over the next few weeks. And I'm not sure anybody else pays attention to it. I think some do, uh, but you and I have had fun watching and even talking about the TBT, which is a $2 million winner-take-all tournament. And I have saw some of the rosters for this year, some of the regional locations for this year. They're going to do some stuff outdoors at Rucker Park in New York City, which you know that caught my attention. The NBA sending a team of their G League uh, Ignite uh, players to the TBT, which I think only helps the credibility of the tournament. So basketball, as far as NBA college and, and a lot of the stuff we follow is over for the year. But uh, if you're really a hoop head, uh, it's, it's been fun to take in and fun to see how it goes and some different rules and that uh, Elam ending, which we've gotten into before, which I absolutely love in some summer basketball settings. Uh, it's kind of made it a highlight of the summer when all the rest of the basketball world is, is not happening. Matt, we love the Elam ending. Let's, we'll, we'll talk about that first. I think that Matt Dennison, you know, you've done it on the outdoor courts. You brought the Kentucky Anna Summer League here. You know, you got that. You've done the Hoosier Hills Hoops League. Take it to the next level, Matt. Have all the games end in the Elam ending. I mean, I know time is of an essence with that. I know it, it takes maybe take a little bit extra time to end it like that. But how cool would that be? Something different just to throw at the kids. Uh, that that makes it a little bit more exciting because I know you and I talk about it, how much we love it. And for those of you guys out there who haven't got a chance to watch it, watch the, the TBT just to see the ending because it is really, really cool. But um, we talked about the NBA, Matt. What an outstanding performance by the Golden State. Um, by Golden State. I mean, they they just did so much, played so well together. I mean, the question is in the offseason, how many of those guys will stay? And that that's going to be determined on one money, but two, it's going to be culture. And I think Golden State, I think the Warriors have a great culture over there that they've created where guys want to be part of that winning tradition. Guys want to be part of something special where it's how many millions do you need? You know, you got to get that second contract. Let's let's get that second contract and go from there. I think I'll be fine. But you, one thing that you brushed upon, Matt, is the the TBT win. And this is just something that's come across my head as you said that when you were talking about the going in. Will NIL play any part of TBT? Will there be a tournament where current players, you know, maybe even a sanctioned tournament that's the NIL sponsored deal where current college players are playing in? Is, is that something you've put on your radar, man? Is that something that's out there? Is that something that you could see in your future and uh, in, in the future of sports? Yeah, that's a good question. I'll have to think about that. Uh, they're definitely going to be. Uh, opportunities around NIL for current college players 
in ways that haven't been thought of or at least publicly put out there yet. There's there's no question about that. The the just straight up sponsorships and you know commercials and social media uh, that that's that's just the beginning of it. I think I think it will materialize into a lot of uh, additional things and sponsored events. And maybe you're right. I I just would have to know all the rules before I could say that's something that could be done. But definitely interesting to think about. It's going to impact in some way. Could you imagine our good friend Wayne Tim in the NIL three-on-three street ball <laughs> showdown tournament? I mean, you think about that. We were playing back in those days for bragging rights and a trophy, whether it was a street ball showdown or a Gus Macker. Uh, now, what if a guy has a three-on-three tournament and you have a Trace Jackson Davis going up against a uh, um, a Reed Shepard in a three-on-three that are on different brackets? And you, and you charge money to come in. You had a sponsorship. I mean – there's so many different things this has created, Matt, that uh, some are good, some are bad. You know, we'll just have to see how it plays off. But a lot of interesting avenues this stuff could go. Yeah, no question. It, uh, we're just beginning to see how I think uh, college hoops and, and even high school sports is going to be shaped by some of the changes coming out of a post-COVID environment. Chad Gilbert with me on Mondays. Chad, did you go to the baseball state championships, your role with the IHSA, did you have to be there to hand out medals or to help run the show over the weekend? I was not, Matt. Um, I, I There was no local teams playing, so I did not go this weekend. Like I told you, Miss Amy and the kids are in California hitting uh, state parks on tour. So I got the house to myself. It was a great opportunity for me to really work on my suntan. <laughs> and, you know, we, Matt, we talked about things, you know, hard to get things, hard to get materials. I'm not being able to find any suntanning lotion. I'm out here going on 15, and I'm looking for some four to really bronze up here in the next couple of days. <laughs> uh, I, we'll, we'll look for Bob McEwen for a response to that comment, Chad. So <laughs> Maybe get... Bob can get us an NIL, you know, on some suntan lotion. <laughs> Bob's got a couple NILs lined up for you and I already, I think. So, but <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, one thing, Matt, uh, not to get too far off base, but you wrapped up your Kentucky in a summer league. Excellent job. Kudos to you for the effort you put in on that one. People don't see the behind-the-scenes work. You get a taste of what it's like to be an AD when you have teams cancel, when you get floors that get slick, when you have scorekeepers not show up, someone who's not at the gate, a referee calls in. It is just so much behind-the-scenes that people don't see, and for you to have those games start on time, end on time, the next game to go, Kudos to you because what that does is, you know, I know the coaches appreciate you because it benefits their kids, it benefits their programs. But from the outside looking in, I just want to tell you that uh, I appreciate the work and the effort that you put in on that. Well, thank you. Number one issue this summer with 360 something games, Chad, officials. Uh, there is a real shortage of officials, and there are some young people getting in to the game that maybe aren't ready even for a high-level varsity summer league game but have to do it because that's just where we're at right now. But I'm telling you, we've talked about this in other areas. We talked about it back in the spring in Indianapolis a lot with baseball and softball, but there is a real officials shortage, especially of quality, high-level varsity-type officials that can step in and do some of the big games in our area. And I'm talking both sides of the river. And that was a little bit of a problem that reared its head this summer. So that's something I'm kind of really glued in on and locked in on now to see how that down the line a year or two, three from now could affect not just summer leagues, but even some regular season stuff. So that that's a takeaway I had. Man, I know we're on the on the time here. We're on the clock, but football. Charleston High School is booked out that we've got all our football home games till 2027, just so we can have Friday games. I would think in the next three, four years, you're going to see teams 
play maybe Thursday night games, maybe Saturday games, just because a shortage in officials for Friday night. There's only so many officials, and everybody plays on Friday. Yeah, yeah, going to be really interesting and kind of unfortunate in some ways to see how uh, some of these things unfold. Chad Gilbert with me on Monday's Chad's, the athletic director at Charlestown, former coach in the area and IHSA executive board member. Chad will do it again next week. And by the way, as we go out, uh, what's the countdown to uh, winning time season two? Matt, you know, we've been dying. Everyone I've talked to says they're ready to watch it again. You know, I think that's something that if you got a chance this summer, must see TV. All right, uh, great stuff. Chad Gilbert, my guest. And that's going to wrap things up for this Monday edition of the program. Back with you Tuesday and every day this week at 11 a.m. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. WXVW Jeffersonville.